In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is Amen. Thank you. It's good to be home after being at the Parish Life Conference. I would rather be here than anywhere else. But it was good to be with the Metropolitan and good to be with all, all the clergy who were able to be there. And there are many faithful who go to these conferences. Usually they're down in Southern California where we have a high concentration of churches. This time it was in the South Bay area. But um, there were many people there. Good talks. The, uh, the keynote speaker was a therapist who focuses on his work on sexual addiction. So when he spoke, he spoke, he spoke um, excessively, not too graphically, but in an honest way about the many struggles that, um, that are facing us at a younger and younger age nowadays. One of the questions that he asked everyone is, what, what age is the right age for young people to have a smartphone? At what, what age is the appropriate age for them to have a smartphone? I see a zero. You're doing a zero over there. No, no age at all. That's what you mean. People gave different, well, 16 maybe, they start driving, they, but he said, well, they, they, he's talking about a smartphone with internet access. Some parents said, you can't really control it, which was surprising. Others said, I heard someone go, 25, from the back, 18, and other persons when they're adult, legal adult, and he said, Something very striking. And this is someone who, who does intense therapy with a lot of people. He said, it's at whatever age that you want them to start viewing pornography. And he said, just it's, it's so prevalent, it's so common, and so easily accessible and so popular nowadays for people to access that. And so he, he said, you need to take that seriously. And he wasn't just talking about images, but he was talking about the way people exchange correspondences with sexual content even with one another and how at a very young age, tantalizing messages, words, and images are being shared that are not innocent and that are actually very dangerous for people to have just out there. Once you've released it, once you've pressed send on your phone, it is no longer yours. And so people are giving themselves over this way. It's a kind of, you know, digital intimacy. It's like it's the next level of false intimacy. You know, we, we know that, that flings and quick romances and things like that are shallow forms of intimacy from those who are longing for something deeper. Well, this is this kind of digitalization of it. It... In a way, it keeps people from even having to interact with another person directly. They're afraid, actually, to interact with one another directly these days because of the way that they can do things on their phones. 
So that's something that we need to be increasingly aware of these days. Another sweet thing that he said, his name is Father Costa Petro George. He's a Greek Orthodox priest. And another thing he said is, he said, I, I told a couple of the guys earlier, he's, he's talking about the stages of child development. He said, I study child development, but I don't really remember all the details. He's like, but I like to think of the stages of development this way. First, you believe in Santa. Then you don't believe in Santa. Then you are Santa. And then you look like Santa. He goes, that's how I remember it. It was, it was good. And the talks are, are available online. I don't know if they're going to try to pull the audio and make them available. But he could have gone much deeper. But he, re, he, he woke us up in a, way, in a conversational way. It was non-confrontational. But he talked about the fact that people are hurting and they're seeking fulfillment. They're seeking coping mechanisms they're, you know, in many ways. And they're having a hard time confronting the reality of sin because they don't know how to or where to. He was emboldening, emboldening us, I think, in a way to be willing to have those conversations. And they need to be able to be talked about in our community, again, in a non-shaming, non-shameful way, in an open way, in a way of genuine love, not a way of suspicion. Remember, I've told you that we're not to be spies to one another. Our goal in coming to church is not to spy on one another. We're all seeking healing. Our focus is Christ, who's the physician of souls and bodies. We also heard from the Metropolitan, and so I wanted to convey some of the words that the Metropolitan shared. I always give a little bit of a report out on some of the spiritual themes that come from these conferences that I have to go to. He was reflecting on the last few years. This is the first time that we've all been together publicly for a Parish Life Conference in a few years. And he just reminded us that through everything that we went through, even though it was a significant, it was many lives were significantly impacted by what has happened over the last few years. He just reminded us that we've been tested a little. We've been tested a little, and it was, a, it was something to awaken us to our need for God. Something that has humbled us over the last few years. He relayed a story of recently visiting the old country where they have, they've been persecuted. for Bullets and bombs have been flying for over a decade in, these, in Orthodox Christian countries. He was just overseas and he said, he observed that they said, thank God all the time. He said in one place they didn't even have electricity, but he heard, thank God, more than he heard. He didn't even hear one complaint the whole time he was there. He, he was humbled by that. And he quoted once one of the bishops who had visited the United States when our Metropolitan was a young man in the monastery. One of the bishops came to the United States and he came back and all the young people thought, he's going to tell us about how great America is. The affluence and the technology and the freedom that they have. And when the bishop came back, he said, in America they have everything. 
but they need the spiritual life. And that's a good reminder for us. He emphasized the importance of our spiritual life. Our spiritual life is not just a hobby. He reminded us that life is fragile and short. He strongly exhorted us to stop being judgmental. He actually said, stop being judgmental of one another. Stop being negligent in the spiritual life. And he said, let us not waste a minute in building up the church without looking back. And he strongly encouraged everyone to forgive one another. We pray together. That's the church. If we haven't forgiven one another, let us do it now. The church is our life. Let us come to the church with joy and enthusiasm. And he ended by saying, as the, you know, he's the, he's the, those of you who don't know what a metropolitan is, a bishop of a, of a large area. He's a bishop o- over North America, and he oversees the, bishop, the, the other bishops and the functions of all of the parishes. And so that could easily become a very administrative role. How are we doing? How are we doing financially? How are all the departments and organizations doing? But he said, I care first and foremost about the salvation of souls. So I wanted to give you that message. And coming back from my time away, I feel like I need to always bring something home to you. Also, while I was going through the security check at the airport, one of the security people said, oh, you had to go out? What do you mean? Well, you were here earlier today. You see what happened? I said, no, I wasn't. He goes, yeah, I saw you. You saw someone who looked a lot like me. He goes, I thought it was you. But there there are a bunch of us at a conference, and a lot of us look alike. Beards, black cassock, long hair. He goes, I could have sworn it was you. It's really funny. (laughs) So, take the spiritual life seriously. The the only way to, to take the spiritual life seriously, do you know how to take the spiritual life seriously? Any guesses? By taking the spiritual life seriously. By doing it. By doing it. By acting on our beliefs. And I've been talking about that. I want to talk. I want to give a brief homily now. I wanted to make sure to give plenty of time. Just to give a little report on what I've been up to. And there's some edification there in what I shared with you. About some of the, the serious risks in our society. And the, the love and the exhortation of our metropolitan. We also had St. Paul. <laughs> is exhorting us today. And... Our Lord, I'm not going to be able to comment on the epistle and the gospel reading, but the thing that really stood out to me this week, for some reason, was St. Paul saying, basically says, God saves us, and we rejoice in that. We rejoice in in the hope of sharing the glory of God. We rejoice in looking forward to that which is to come. 
What a great thing it will be to be in the kingdom of God with our Lord who has saved us. But then he says, but even more than that, can you believe this? Even more than that future hope that we have, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which He has given to us. And I wanted to just comment briefly on enduring suffering of all kinds. We all endure suffering of all kinds. And he says we rejoice in our sufferings. And you, if, you, if you read the Holy Scripture, you'll read everywhere, all over the place, that we should not be surprised when we encounter difficulties. Remember the Lord said basically, if it happened to me, it will happen to you. And remember the epistle of St. James chapter 1. Count it all joy, joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There's an understanding in the life of Christ, the lives of the apostles and of the saints, that love on this side of eternity, love suffers. Love struggles. We would feel utterly worthless if we were just subjected to the difficulties of this life without a purpose for that suffering. But Christ has revealed the purpose of that suffering in the Christian life twofold the working out of our salvation. The testing of our faith, which produces perseverance and builds up our character and ultimately allows us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it helps us. It helps us in the working out of our salvation and not just suffering for the betterment of self, but for others. I heard the story of a saint. I don't remember his name this week. A contemporary Russian saint who had lost his wife to cancer, and he was so sorrowful. He felt lifeless, hopeless, flaccid, purposeless. And in prayer, he was told, the way to heal from your suffering is to share in the suffering of others. And he became a saint. He took that exhortation seriously. Remember, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Suffering is not just something we have to endure so that, like in a workout routine, push through and then you'll have the pecs you've always desired or something like that. We're talking about something a little more serious than that. We're talking about suffering out of love and as a witness to the hope that transcends the claim that this world would take on our life. 
So the Christian life isn't one of avoidance, avoidance of suffering. Neither is it one of provoking. We don't go around trying to provoke violence or suffering, but it's one of patiently enduring. And we don't do it for ourselves so that we become better people because that's just a vain justification. But we need to discover that it's wonderful to endure for the sake of God and for others. And it reminded me of a little writing by St. Joseph the Hesychast, which I'll kind of conclude with. He says, no matter what happens, this is one of his letters, no matter what happens, shout your maxim. For the sake of thy love, Jesus, my sweet love, I will endure curses, disgraces, injustices, toils, and all afflictions that I might encounter. For the sake of thy love, I will endure all, he says. Let me tell you a true story, he continues. Once, because of my continual and frightful temptations, St. Joseph struggled with sexual addiction in his own life. I was overcome with sadness and faint-heartedness, and I presented my case to God as if I had been treated unjustly. I was complaining because he kept allowing so many temptations to befall me without curbing them even a little, that I couldn't even catch my breath. In this time of bitterness, I heard a very sweet and clear voice within me say with extreme compassion, Will you not endure everything for my love? As soon as I heard that voice, I broke out into many tears and repented for being overcome with faint-heartedness. I shall never forget that voice, which was so sweet that the temptation and all my faint-heartedness immediately disappeared. Give yourself courage, saying, My soul, don't lose heart. A small affliction can cleanse you from a chronic illness. When we lack patience, our temptations seem greater than they really are. Did you hear that? When we lack patience, our temptations seem greater than they really are. The more a person grows accustomed to enduring them, the smaller they become, and he passes through them effortlessly. Thus he becomes as solid as a rock. Reminds me of also a saint who was appealed to by someone who was suffering from cancer. And he said to them, he didn't say, God heal you from your cancer, which does happen at times. But he said, let your prayer be stronger than the cancer itself. The cancer is a temporary ailment, just like everything that we experience on this earth. And every trial can be turned into a sacred offering to God. And the teaching of the church is that the trials that we endure are given us to do unto us and in us what we can't do ourselves. What we can't accomplish in ourselves ascetically by our own effort, but by God's providence, we're able to endure much for His love and for the sake of His kingdom. So, beloved in Christ, today I just want to encourage you Out of the love of God, endure patiently. Every trial that comes your way, 
And even, I want to challenge you, when a, tri- when a trial comes this way, this week, something that immediately provokes that response, that blaming or judgmental response, I wish this wasn't happening. Challenge yourself to actually rejoice. God, how can I, how can, honestly ask, how can I rejoice in this bit of suffering? How can I glorify God in this moment? How can I offer it to God as a sacrifice, like like a, like a charcoal, like incense on the charcoal? Turn it into something beautiful. The world would have us believe that this life is meaningless and an exercise in futility, but it is not. And we struggle, beloved in Christ, because we know that there's something better. We know that there's something wrong, and therefore we know something is worth living for. Therefore, let us not lose hope. Remember, I'll conclude with some more beautiful words of St. Paul. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no eye has conceived of that which God has in store for those who love him. So let us endure all things to the glory of his holy name. Amen.